Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog I'm Patrick Medivy, host of ITM, and today we're going to talk about who can actually beat Donald Trump in 2020 election. So let's get right into it. By the way, this is going to be probably the most technically uh, challenging election to win because the moving parts today are way more than they've ever been. So strategically, winning this one is like winning a war in ways no country or nation has ever had to face. Very technical to win today's election, but we'll cover that. Let's first go into the history books. Okay, from 1920 till today, who's won presidency and what are some events that are taking place? Obviously, 2020, we don't know yet. We have President Trump as a Republican nominee, if he stays this way. And then we have the Democratic nominee that we'll find out who it's going to be. There's a lot of guys fighting for, but we'll find out who it's going to be. 2016, Trump beats Hillary Clinton. 306 to 232. Then it's Romney, Obama. Obama wins 332 to 206. McCain, Obama. Uh, Obama wins 365 to 173. Kerry went against Bush Jr. in 2004. 286 to 251. Bush wins. Bush Jr. against Gore. Very close one. Nader was also competing in this one. Uh, you're looking at uh, uh, 271 to 266, one of the closest elections of all time where Florida had to come out and figure out and recount all this stuff. Anyways, Bush Jr. ends up winning and beats Al Gore. 1996, Bob Dole against Clinton. Clinton wins Bill 379 to 159, a landslide. And Bill Clinton also beat Bush Sr. four years prior to that. 370 to 168, and in that year, 1992, there's an interview done with uh, George Bush Sr. before he passed away, and the interviewer asked a question about, what are your thoughts about Ross Perot? It was the only topic he didn't want to talk about because he got upset when the name Ross Perot was mentioned, because if Ross Perot doesn't run in that election, odds are George Bush Sr. would have won again. He was a former director of CIA, decorated type of a resume, but Ross Perot helped Bill Clinton become president. Very interesting election. Then prior to that was senior against Dukakis. Obviously, uh, senior was two, uh, 426 to 111. It was interesting when Dukakis tried to go around in the tank and didn't look good. Military kind of people started making fun of them. And in one of the cases during the debate, somebody asked them, what would you do if somebody, you know, was to rape your wife? Would you want that person to get the death penalty? And instead of showing any kind of emotion on what happened to his wife, he just went very logical. And the American people are like, does this guy have a heart? He just, the person asks you the question in the debate, that's your wife. How do you answer just like that? Like it's normal. You can't answer like that. Where is your heart? And so that lost and the other tank thing hurt him. And the next thing you know, he loses. By the way, he had a chance of actually beating Bush Sr., but ended up changing due to debates and a couple other things. Reagan, Mondale, 525 to 13. Landslide is what we're talking about. And then Reagan Carter, also a landslide, 489 to 49. And then Ford against Carter, Carter won close race, 297 to 241. Prior to that, Nixon went against McGovern, 520 to 17. Landslide, second biggest landslide based on what we're talking about here. Uh, third biggest landslide we'll talk about here in a minute. Why McGovern lost is a very interesting story on what some of the guys, the nominees, when it comes down to the real debate, 
This, this decision, one decision, hurt McGovern from the chances of beating Nixon, but it didn't happen. Nixon went against Humphrey, beat him out 302 to 191. George Wallace was also in it, but he won that one. In 1964, Goldwater went against Lyndon Johnson, and that one, obviously, Goldwater lost as a Republican. LBJ won 486 to 52. And this was a time, the reason why it's a landslide is because Goldwater didn't necessarily support civil rights. And, and prior to that, in 1960, African-Americans voted, 60% of African-Americans voted Democrat, 40% voted Republican. But after Goldwater, the next election for what he did, it went from 64% to 92% of African-Americans voting Democrat because they were not happy about a Republican taking a position there. So it shifted the African-American vote to, to pretty much all Democratic because of that one single event that takes place. Nixon, JFK, obviously JFK wins 303 to 219. This is very interesting because during that time, in 1950 in America, elections were being shown on TV and radio. Only 11% of Americans in 1950 had a TV. One more time, 1950, 11% had a TV. 1960, 88% had a TV. So when the 1960 debate took place between Nixon and John F. Kennedy, what people didn't know is Nixon had just come out of the hospital and he was sick. He was hospitalized for several days. He didn't shave. He had a five o'clock shave. He looked totally tired. And John F. Kennedy showed up tanned, looking good, perfectly shaped, nice suit. 88% of Americans had TV to watch and said, oh my gosh, John F. Kennedy won. But the interesting thing part, was that everybody that was listening to the radio, they said Nixon won. Things changed. against TV changed the game. JFK wins. Eisenhower against uh, Stevenson, 457-273. Eisenhower wins. Back-to-back, -back, same candidates, 442-89. Dewey against Truman, 303-189. Truman wins. Dewey goes against FDR. Obviously, FDR wins. FDR beats Wilkie. FDR beats Landon. I mean, these are just landslides. FDR beats Hoover. Look at the score of what it was like, 523-8. That is a landslide of landslides. It's the greatest landslide in the last 100 years. Then you got Hoover goes against Smith. Hoover wins. And then Coolidge goes against Robert. La Follette, and he wins, and then last but not least, Harding goes against Coase, and he wins as well, 404 to 127. So when you look at this, a couple things to think about. The yellows is when a president, the existing president, runs for re-election, and they lose. Bush Sr. lost, uh, Carter lost for re-election, Ford didn't ever get nominated for president or vice president. It just so happens that it was a tricky thing that happened that he ended up becoming a president, but when he did run for re-election, he lost. And then obviously Hoover losses one went against FDR. So when you're looking at this, it's important to know history and events that shift everything with politics. You got to realize a lot of things up here that shift that had to do with social media. You know, Trump had to do with Twitter. Obama had to do with Facebook. You know, it had to do with YouTube. A lot changed there when people started looking at this stuff. Now, today's topics, you hear a lot of different things that's being debated. What could cause an election to be won or lost? What are the topics that are people wanting to know about, people that are watching right now? I was at a place the other day, a guy asked me a question saying, Pat, we're, I'm in uh, Yontville. Yontville is by Napa Valley. Yontville won the fun factors. It's a city that has more Michelin star restaurants in Yontville than any other city in the world because people with money go to this place. And a guy comes up and he says, hey, Pat, so what do you think is going to happen with the economy? What do you think is going to be taking place? I said, there's so many moving parts today, more than my entire, in my generation, I've never seen so many different moving parts. There's so many things changing that you got to almost pay attention to the things that's going on. So here's a few things. So five key geopolitical issues that are trending right now. Number one is power plays by different countries. What's going to happen? China's trying to play power plays, US, Russia, 
We're talking about trade war, sanctions, 5G, AI. This is all taking place. And even right now, conversations of China willing to work with U.S. and they're willing to share the 5G technology. They're going back and forth. All of this stuff. I did a video called the U.S.-China trade war. I think ended up getting two and a half, three million views. And one of the things that I said is Trump's playing the card of 5G with sanctions on China with the hopes of China being able to give the technology of 5G for U.S. to be able to do it. And they weren't going to give it to U.S. because a lot of 57 different countries apparently were going to get it, but not the U.S. But now China's kind of starting to be open to because the whole Made in China 2025 plan to become the largest, most powerful empire in the world is kind of shifted just because of sanctions that we have. So we don't still know what's going to happen here, but it's definitely one of the issues. The second point is global economic risk, which is the market crash. That A lot of things pending with a market crash. That could definitely hurt Trump because Trump is always using the economy card. So if it doesn't work for President Trump, that's going to hurt him. Obviously, Brexit, EU, Iran. Iran is not backing down. I mean, they're not sitting there saying, okay, U.S., let's find a way to negotiate and the whole controversies with what just happened. The foreign minister, if you haven't seen the sit-down with CNN, uh, one of the commentators on CNN sits down with the foreign minister of Iran, Mohammad Zarif, you should hear how he answers just the first two minutes. Matter of fact, Kai, let's put the link below. Very obvious. He's not being cocky, arrogant. He's just saying, if you want to go to war, we're ready. Let's do it. But we're not backing down. So rather than expecting them to say, let's sit down and negotiate, they're not willing to do that. So that, that could be friction, especially during a time like this. Point number three, Saudi stresses and global energy market. Obviously, we know what happened with Saudi recently, where they're blaming Iran, Yemen, who did it? We're not taking responsibility. Then how did you get a strong you know, drone like this to be able to attack? That's not possible to go hundreds of miles. People, regular guys, can't have the kind of money to be able to have a drone like that. And Iran is saying it's not us. They said they did it. We don't want to investigate it. And it's, again, oil. Who's going to have the power of oil in the Middle East? Iran, Iraq, Libya, terror attacks. A lot of that is in the same place. And then four is an eventful year for Latin America. Mexico has a new president who's somewhat like a Bernie Sanders socialist. Brazil has a new president that's somewhat a Donald Trump capitalist. He's changing the game over there with capitalism. Venezuela going through what they're going through with Maduro, and there's still friction there with oil. So Latin America has a lot to do with the election. And then pending war that anytime anything could take place. There's a lot of moving parts right now. President Trump is obviously saying that he is very hesitant to go to war. A lot of people are saying, we got to go attack, we got to go attack, we got to go attack. He's kind of holding back because he's, he's never been for war. If there's one thing about him the last 30 years, he's never been for war. And he's trying to avoid it from going, but we'll see what's going to be taking place. So then there's other issues. Immigration. You hear people talking about immigration. What are we going to do with this wall? What are we going to do with, you know, crimes and ICE and the kids? All these things are topics that these candidates are going to talk about. College debt. Elizabeth Warren is talking about the fact that she wants to help you know, kind of the 42 million students that have the debt to wipe theirs out. But uh, Bernie Sanders going to a whole different level saying, I want to wipe out $1.6 trillion and let's write it off. Let's just eliminate all of it. So, you know, sounds noble, but can we afford it to say $1.6 trillion? Because is the issue the debt that we write off or is the issue colleges, why are they charging so much? Why is it, why is it cost so much to go to school? Maybe it's not a debt issue. Maybe it's a price issue that colleges need to change their pricing, but that's going to be coming up. Medicare for all, you hear a lot of people saying, who raise your hand if you're Medicare for all, they raise their hands automatically during a the category when they do that. Then you got the Green New Deal, marijuana legalization. It's not as big as it was before because it's pretty much being accepted by a lot of uh, states. UBI is going to come up. It's one of the reasons why Andrew Yang came up because at least he came up saying, this is my plan. 
He went from no one knowing who he is a day be, uh, before, and then all of a sudden, everyone's saying Andrew Yang, 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 created a ton of momentum, passed up by a lot of people. I think he's number four right now as one of the candidates. Then it's criminal justice, cybersecurity, electoral college, guns, medication, military, a lot of these that, that will come up. Now, here's my ideas when it's, come down to, when it's coming down to 2020 election. If I'm looking at who's winning today, there's 10 things I'm going to be thinking about. If I'm on the Democratic side, obviously I know who I'm facing off. And the easiest way to try to beat them is maybe the impeachment thing. But this whole campaign of impeaching can backfire so much because it backfired on Republicans years ago and it hurt them for a long time. So if they do this, this whole impeachment process of needing two-thirds of Senate while the Senate majority is Republican, to be able to beat the Senate majority at a time like this, you gotta be able to control the House, and it's just not as easy as they're making it out to be. So I'm surprised, quite frankly, myself, that a Nancy Pelosi is going out there being that public about be, being able to do something like this, knowing the results are, you gotta convince the Senate two-thirds. How are you gonna do it? You may be able to have it in place, but you can't, you can't finalize it. So it, it's, it's a move that, the only time it makes sense to go and propose impeachment it's if you are certain you have all of it in place, and they don't. So it's way too risky to do that. But let me give you a couple things. Impact. 2020 election. Number one is matchup. Let me explain to what I mean by matchup. In sports, basketball, if I am the best team in the NBA, and I have a great center, and I'm facing you, if you don't have somebody to match up with me, and I'm the best player, you're going to have a hard time competing against me if I'm the most dominant team in the league, and it's because of a big man, and you don't have nobody to face off against me. There's gotta be some kind of a matchup there, right? So the matchup's gonna be Obama goes against McCain, young, McCain has a bigger resume, but people are like, I don't know, I just, McCain doesn't excite me. Nice man, good resume, see the video, POW, respect, but Obama gets up there and talks and smiles and wife smart and both, and man, I just feel good. Matchup, favor, Obama. Matchup, Bill Clinton boy senior. Bush Sr., you know, he's the typical guy that's, you know, been in politics for so much and been in CIA and, man, he's so, like, part of the institution and he's part of the swamp. Do you want somebody like that? Or maybe you bring somebody like a Bill Clinton who's young and vibrant and at the time Hillary was, like, also pretty powerful with the matchup, right? And the matchup was, and there was also Rosper that kind of helped out. Reagan, Carter, oh my gosh, Reagan, dream, America's the greatest country in the world, and Carter's like, well, we are not the best nation, we got some work to do. It's the matchup, right? So who's going to match up best with Trump? Watch this. I wrote out a chart here, okay? Meaning, far left, liberal, far right, Republican. Let's put the furthest right, Ted Cruz, right? Ted Cruz is pretty much conservative in every policy you can think about far-right conservative, let's just say Ted Cruz. Prior to that is Reagan, right in the middle of him and Trump. Trump is, in my eyes, not really a Republican. I see Trump more as an independent, leaning right. It's really what he is. Like certain issues that many Republicans are like, what are you talking about? You're okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay, it's not even an issue. I don't wanna talk about it. So if we put Trump here, and we put Bill, Glint Bill Clinton somewhat left, okay, when he became a president, he wasn't far left, this is why he was good, where a lot of people liked him, minus Monica Lewinsky, he actually wasn't a bad president, he was a good president, and he was okay with Newt Gingrich, and I know some people always comment, say, how could you say he was a good president? He was willing to go across the aisle and say, Newt, what do we want to do about this? And Newt's like, this economy works, and then boom, the economy was doing really good. Obama's probably, people thought Obama was way more socialist, he's not socialist, he's probably a little bit left than Bill because he came out with the Obamacare, and then it's Warren to the left of Obama, and then it's Sanders. 
to the left of Warren. So when you look at this and say the Democratic chairman or you know, campaign manager, whoever it is that's watching this, DNC chairman's watching this, he likes far left. But today, far left is gonna lose the people in the middle. Trump won because a lot of the people in the middle said, okay, I can go this way, okay? I'll go this way. If they really wanna have somebody that can have a real matchup about him, with him, it can't be somebody that's on the far left. So we have to keep up with the matchup to see what's gonna take place there. Now again, they're gonna choose whoever they're gonna choose because it's gonna be based on who votes. Number two, choosing the right VP. Let me explain to you what I mean by right VP. Do you remember here when I explained the story about Nixon and McGovern, why he lost 520 to 17? Here's why, McGovern wins the nominee, he calls all these guys to be his vice president. They all say no, he makes the phone call to Senator Eagleton, who says, Eggleton, who says yes, and he becomes his VP, right? He says, I'll agree to do it because McGovern wanted to win the Catholic vote. So he brings him in, but he doesn't vet the VP to find out what his background is. August 1st, they announced that this guy's gonna be the VP. 18 days later, he drops out because three times he was hospitalized for depression and two times he went through electroshock therapy, two times. And once it came out, they're like, if you can't choose the right VP, how can you make the right decisions as a president? So whoever becomes the nominee on the Democratic side, who are they gonna choose as a VP? Very critical, they gotta do the proper background and bidding from now. If I'm working for Warren, Sanders, Biden, any of the main names, I'm already vetting everybody's background right now to see what they have and what, I, what they don't have. I'm not waiting till then, and I'm kinda starting to do the matchup to see what's gonna be taking place. Next, anti-campaign versus pro-campaign. You're seeing, you're seeing a lot of people saying, all I know is when it comes down to the day of voting for a new president, as long as Trump's not president, that's what matters. Okay, raw, awesome. It may sound exciting, but that campaign doesn't win. Let me explain to you why it doesn't win. Because anti doesn't necessarily mean we know your plans. O'Rourke is all anti-Trump, anti-Trump, white supremacist, all this stuff. Nobody has any clue what his plans are. And he goes and Gene's picture and Vanity Fair and look at me, I'm so cool, people are gonna like me, my name is Beto, I'm white but I can talk Spanish and I'm like, I'm trying to connect with them, but what are your plans? What are you gonna be doing? If you only campaign around anti-Trump, you will not win. If it's only anti-Trump, there's gotta be a plan. Even Trump went up there and says what? Make America great again, wall immigration, here's what I'm doing. And he went and started preaching it, right? You're seeing some people doing that with their campaigns. Elizabeth Warren knows what she wants to do. Bernie, you know what he wants to do. Andrew Yank, you know what he wants to do. Joe Biden, you somewhat know what he wants to do. You kind of know what he wants to do. Those are the people that have their ideas. But if they go to whole anti-Trump thing, it's gonna backfire on them because typically history tells us you don't win when you go anti-Trump. You gotta go policies. Next, economy four. Economy is very good right now. So if you try to go against economy, you don't have a really good argument, people are gonna say, economy's already doing good, what are you gonna do to the economy that's not already happening right now? So, but they have to be ready that if one of these things hits and economy shifts, they gotta have their story prepared. Like it's like playing football, somebody's coming from this side, you gotta have the blitz, you gotta have the blocking, you gotta have the fullback, you gotta have all that stuff prepared before it happens. So they gotta be prepared in case Dow drops three, four, five thousand points. What is your argument gonna be now? Because that's gonna change the game. So number five is focusing on areas of weakness. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. So if you took all these policies of Trump, see where his weak, go there, that matters to the American people. 
For instance, if you go to marijuana and that's what you're going to focus on, but American people are already saying, listen, man, I got it. I'm good. You know, marijuana, it's fine. It's okay. It's not really going to get that kind of traction. It's got to be one of these issues that matters the most to the people that's going to get traction, or you create one, like Andrew Yang created UBI. Never thought about this. AI's come in. If it comes, it's going to take jobs. We're going to lose trillions of dollars of jobs. We need to give everybody $1,000. And people are like, remember the first time you heard about it? You're like, $1,000 a month. How can we afford that? And it's like, well, here's, well, maybe that makes sense. He had a plan that no one was talking about. Then everybody started doing research that brought a lot of publicity to him. Now he's being interviewed all over the place because his topic resonated with a certain audience. So let me give you an example here. Obama is debating Hillary. There's a very special moment there. The moderator asks Obama a question, says, hey, uh, Senator Obama, you've been accused of plagiarizing and using other lines of other people they use in their own debates. In this state, this person used these lines and you used it. What do you think about the, the people that are saying you are plagiarizing your message and it's not really you, you're using other people's message? And Obama got up there and says, look, there's really two lines that I used. It was this line and it's this line. And it was used by this guy, my campaign manager whom I trust, told me to, to the language of what we want to do is this is what we want to do and these are some of the things that we may want to talk about and I used the line. Yes, I did. I did use the line. But here's what I want to do. I hope this debate is not going to get petty and we're going to talk about lines rather than policies. I'd much rather spend time on policies and he starts going through listing his policies. Brilliant. He went to what matters to the American people. He says, because American people want to be able to figure out pa 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 pa. Right? Policies. Then Hillary you know, what do you think about this? And she says, well, you know, Barack, I can appreciate that you have a very good way of speaking and communicating to people. You're a great speaker. But look, if you're going to go out there and plagiarize, it's not really what you stand for. It's just like being Xerox, your copy machine. She says that. Then Obama says, that's not what that, that is, Hillary. Like, it's a shot. So that moment, people are like, she went for a shot and he went for policies, we know who ends up winning, right? So if you're gonna go a direction and get away from weaknesses, you have to be able to go back and stick to policies. A lot of people don't know how to do that. We'll see who's gonna be able to do it at this time. Six, likability matters. People like Obama. They just did. People like Bill Clinton. People like George Bush. You know, people liked, uh, uh, what do you call it, Reagan. People liked some of these candidates. People like JFK. Now Trump, his audience likes him because he's tough. That's still a part of likability. It's not like, because Trump's the guy that's not, you know, you don't just like Trump. You either love him or you hate him. It's a love-hate relationship, right? But the people who like him, they love him. It's like, oh my gosh, he stands up, he's going to go against Swamp. He still has a high likability score with the people in his party. And, 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 it's, and it's increasing in certain areas and decreasing in certain areas. But likability matters as well. So when you look at the candidates, who's likable? Seven, debate approach. Dirty or clean? You know, you look at the games, like if, if people try to play the game against Trump, the way Trump is playing it, and you say, I'm going to go after him the way he goes after people. But if it's not naturally part of your approach, you're going to fail. Because Trump has been Trump for 70-something years. He's been witty for 70-something years. He didn't take a book on Masterclass or go watch a video on YouTube saying, 20 steps to being witty. You don't learn how to be witty. You either are witty or you're not witty. So if you try to go at him, with being witty, you're going to lose. Just ask Rubio and Ted Cruz. They couldn't do it because it doesn't work if you go at it with them that way. It's not. You got to go, look, I understand you want to go this direction. Here's the policies. But look, in reality, look what's happened in these three areas that you haven't paid attention to. Let's focus to policy. So if I'm competing against him, 
I'm saying, let's focus here. American people want to know this. Let's focus here. Let's focus policies. He's going to be confused, but he's playing your game. Like in sports, if you're going against somebody, you want them to play your game. Now you play their game. You play their game. They've been playing their game longer than you. You're going to lose. Make them play your game. We'll see if he's going to do that or not. They're going to do that on number eight, social media team. It's very important right now. Whichever candidate's got a strong social media team, it's going to matter. Social media team is so important today. Obama has a st strong social media team. Trump has an incredibly strong social media team. Quick videos, quick edits, creative ideas, videos. You know, video that gets six million views, two million views, eight million views, three million views. The moment you have a line, boom, put that up there. The moment you have another one, put that up there. Social media team's going to be very, very critical because, you know, when we're talking about 88... Nixon went against uh, JFK, and there was eight, uh, uh, not 88, the 88% of TVs, people had TVs in America in 1960 versus 11% in 1950. Social media video, oh my gosh, did you hear what Elizabeth Warren just said to Trump? Oh my goodness, did you hear what Bernie said? Did you hear what Biden just said? Did you hear what? Because that's the video, it's viral. Share, 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 share. Social media team, and a nine is work ethic when you look at Trump versus uh, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton did 63 rallies, Trump did 132 rallies. You can't compete with 132 rallies if you're only going to do 63. Every time you saw President Trump, another Facebook Live, another Facebook Live, another Facebook Live, one Facebook Live Hillary. Another Facebook Live, another Facebook Live, another Facebook Live, one Hillary. You can't compete with those kinds of numbers. And last but not least is media. Here's the thing about media. You know how people say, well, everybody on the left, uh, on, and the media is on the left. They are, just so you know that. The only TV station that's on the right is Fox News. Everybody else is on the left. Every one of them is anti-Trump. Let me explain to you what happens here. Let me explain to you what happens here. So one time I'm listening to this guy, Morning Joe, okay? He works for MSNBC. And he grew up conservative, but he went to a very liberal school. He made the most incredible point. He says, I went to a liberal school. Every time I brought up a point to debate and I was against the teacher, 20 students would attack me and the teacher always defended the 20 students. Makes sense? Because these conservatives, they're all liberal. So the teacher would say, Larry's right, Bobby's right, Jackie's right. Joe, how do you know if you're right? Because the teacher's liberal, because the school's liberal, and everybody else in class is pretty much liberal, right? He said, here's what ended up happening. Every time the teacher agreed with the students, the students didn't need to go do research to make their arguments stronger because the teacher already agreed. But every time they disagreed with me, I had to go make my arguments stronger. Boom, I got better in debating. They did not. Point. All the guys in the media, they get up and say, if Biden won, uh, went against today, they would win 56% over Trump. What they don't realize is, when you put as if Biden or Warren or Sanders already has an edge against Trump, you know what you're doing. Let me explain to you what this media is doing. You make Democrats not come out to vote. You make liberals not come out to vote. And conservatives watch this on CNN or MSNBC or ABC or, and they say, oh my gosh, we're behind. Guys, guys, get everybody, get everybody, go vote. So what media doesn't know is, even though they're going to be pro whoever on the left, they're going to hurt the left because all they do is defend the left and voters don't come out because they think it's already done. Big, if I'm, if I'm the chairman of either one of those political sides, I'm calling media saying, stop saying we're ahead. Stop saying we're ahead. Guys are not coming out. You got to say we're behind because the person that's going to win the 2020 election is the underdog. Trump was the underdog. Obama was the underdog. Last two presidents, the underdog has won. The underdog is winning. Go last four presidents. Bill Clinton was underdog. George Bush was underdog. The underdogs are our last four presidents. If the media wants to help seeing who wins the next election,
you better produce an underdog mentality. If you do, you have a shot. If you don't, um, your next president in 2020 is going to be Donald Trump again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick David, And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.